Excited that you're here and glad to be back with you. We are going to start a new series. I hope for it to be maybe three or four episodes long. Looking at one of the only certainties in life. Now the old saying goes that the only certain things in life are death and taxes. And as we approach tax season, that definitely feels true. But I think that there is one more thing that is certainly a constant for many of us quite a bit, and that is change. And especially those times when change occurs that we are not expecting. And I think that it's happened to all of us that at some point something has occurred that has kind of rocked us. Maybe the rug kind of gets pulled out from underneath us and we are forced to make some large change that we weren't planning on. And maybe that's something that occurs within your family, uh, your job. I know for uh, first responders, sometimes the agency decides to make a change and you may get transferred out of a job that you really liked or just something comes up that you're not expecting and you're kind of left to deal with it. And so we are going to take a look at some people from scripture and look at how they navigated change and maybe look at what does that mean for us? Right, because we are called to navigate this change as well. And just because the rug gets pulled out from underneath us doesn't mean that we aren't called to respond in a certain way or that we aren't called to push forward. And so how do we do that? Because I can tell you I'm in that place right now. And I seriously doubt that I am the only one uh, had to undergo or endure some major changes at the beginning of this year. Uh, one of the reasons why it's taken a while to get this podcast out is that I've needed time to process. And so that it certainly is one thing that I encourage you to do if you're undergoing changes. Take that time to process. Take that time to try to understand what's going on. But let's turn to Scripture and see how we are to navigate change. 
our first study here is going to be on Joseph. And for those of you that may not be uh, so familiar with your Bible, you probably have heard of Joseph at least. Um, was turned into a couple of movies, uh, a Broadway musical, uh, the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with his coat of many colors, which is one of the things that got him into a bit of trouble to begin with. You'll find Joseph in the book of Genesis. Um, usually, I think probably about midway through, somewhere in the 20s, 30s uh, chapters. Um, and... But his story, in the overarching bit, or at least um, kind of just to, to give you a broad overview, um, a lot of the story of Joseph, starting in chapter 37, um, he is one of the sons of Jacob. Actually, the youngest of Jacob's sons, and kind of looked at as the favored son, much to the dismay of his brothers. And his life undergoes some radical changes, basically at the hands of his brothers, um, and them not liking the fact that he is the favored son. He starts out his life as a shepherd, as many of the people were in those days. And Jacob sends Joseph to go check on the flocks, and his brothers see him coming from a long way off. And as it says in chapter 37, verse 18, they, being the brothers, saw Joseph off in the distance, and before he reached him, they plotted to kill him. Well, they decide not to kill him at the urging of one brother, but they do attack Joseph, strip him down, throw him in a pit, and later on they sell him into slavery, which sends him down to Egypt. So here we have favored son to slave, which I think for many of us would be probably a real big change and one that might be a little bit difficult to navigate. So as a slave, he gets sold to an Egyptian named Potiphar, who was the captain of Pharaoh's guards. And Joseph ends up being pretty successful and put in charge of, of Potiphar's house. And as the story goes, Potiphar's wife decides she's taking a liking to Joseph and attempts to seduce him. But Joseph responds to this very well. And 
conducts himself even in the midst of all this. He says to Potiphar's wife, Look, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am, and he has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil, and how could I sin against God? And Potiphar's wife continues to pursue Joseph, says that she spoke to Joseph day after day, and he refused to go to bed with her. And so one final day, she makes one more attempt. But Joseph flees. He runs away, leaving part of his clothing behind. And so Potiphar's wife, showing her, already showing her character, really, uh, if she is to cheat on her husband, basically says that Joseph tried to have his way with her uh, and gets him thrown in jail. So we go from shepherd to slave to a slave, but with a pretty high status, and then to prisoner. And while in prison, Joseph has this ability to interpret dreams, uh, which is one of the things that his brothers really didn't like about him. Um, he basically had a dream that said they would bow down before him and they didn't care for that, which is one of the reasons why they ended up selling him into slavery. So as a prisoner, Joseph meets two other prisoners who are uh, pretty prestigious people within Pharaoh's court. One kind of his uh, chief valet or cupbearer, uh, that would be the person who would test Pharaoh's food, bring Pharaoh's food, um, and was really a position of prominence and trust within the royal court, the other one being um, Pharaoh's baker, and so he interprets some dreams for them. And then several years later, those two are out of prison. Joseph is still in prison. And Pharaoh has a dream. And no one can tell him what it means. And the cupbearer says, wait a minute. There was this guy that I was in prison with. Um, maybe you should ask him. And so Pharaoh brings Joseph out of prison and says, essentially, what's going on? Tell me what this means. And so God has put Joseph in this position to go before Pharaoh, go before the king of Egypt, and his dream honestly saves Egypt from a great deal of hardship. Joseph tells Pharaoh, that, hey man, your dream means that a large famine is coming. And so until that time, 
which was still, I believe it was seven years away, he says, Pharaoh, what you're going to need to do is store up food for seven years. We're going to have an abundant harvest until then. So take some of that, store it up, that way we have food. And Pharaoh does this, sees the wisdom in Joseph, and essentially makes him his right-hand man, his chief advisor. Uh, Essentially, Joseph is running the day-to-day operations of all of Egypt, one of the most powerful nations in the ancient world, which when you consider that this was a Jewish shepherd who becomes a slave, who becomes a prisoner, who then all of a sudden finds himself the overseer over all of Egypt. This is a guy who, on many different occasions, kind of had his world rocked and flipped upside down. Here's the reality. For many of us in life, that's going to happen a few times over, right? I know it has for me over the years. Uh... This most recent instance wasn't the first time. Unfortunately, probably won't be the last. And I'm sure that on multiple occasions, Joseph is sitting there going, God, this makes no sense. Why is my family in Israel? Why did my brothers sell me to slavery? Why is Potiphar's wife... uh, lying and saying that I I tried to do something to her when I didn't. And so on. But eventually Joseph kind of lands, shall we say, on top of the heap. He is essentially controlling Egypt. And then this famine hits. But before we talk about the famine, let's look at how Joseph approached everything, right? He kind of rolled with the punches really well. At least that's what we see in scripture. He keeps his integrity before Potiphar's wife. He honestly approaches Pharaoh and says... Look, Pharaoh, things are going to get pretty bad for Egypt. And though for most of us, I don't think we've ever had to go before a king. um, We probably have run across maybe command staff, bosses, other people who really don't want to hear something that maybe disagrees with them. And yet, Joseph remains true to himself. And by that, I mean he keeps his faith in God. And he's honest, right? He's honest to Potiphar, to Potiphar's wife, saying, I've been entrusted with this. And I am going to be worthy of that trust. He tells Pharaoh, 
there's some bad news, but you can be a good and wise king and you can survive this. And so then when this when this famine hits, it hits all of the Middle East and the Israelites are no exception. They are hit by this as well. And Jacob sends his sons to Egypt. Now, keep in mind, they don't know Joseph has been sold into slavery and has kind of become a big deal down in Egypt. And so they go down there to see him because he's handing out grain. And Joseph recognizes his brothers. They attempt to buy so buy grain from him for silver, but Joseph essentially says, this is my family, doesn't charge them, doesn't reveal himself to, to his brothers yet, um, but essentially manipulates it to get uh, his father and all of his family down there. And that enables Jacob and his family to survive this really bad famine. And one of the most, I guess, famous lines from that script from that story within scripture comes after Jacob dies, Joseph's brothers are worried because, hey, our father's dead. We kind of did this thing uh, to you, and you're now in power. Um, they kind of bow down before him. And Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Essentially, am I God? To which he you know, essentially replies to himself, no, but he tells his brothers, you planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, which was the survival of their family and much of the Israelite people. And so I want to go back to this idea that the evil that you planned, God used for good. And I think that that's something we need to think about. I was talking to somebody yesterday, in fact, they had started a new job and it was not going quite the way that they had hoped. And I think that we've all had those moments as well where we just can't see what's going on. We can't see why something is is failing the way it's failing, why we are unable to break through and move forward with something, why our plans are, are not working. And so how do we respond in that situation? And I think the simple answer, which by the way, I don't, I'm not sure there really is one, but this will be the simplest answer I've got for you is keep your eye on the bigger picture. I think a lot of times 
we think our plans are God's plans. We think that what we hope to have happen is the best thing that can ha- that can happen. And the reality of it is that's not true at all. I think sometimes we have to realize that what we view as our end goal is not an end goal at all. Rather, it is a step in a larger journey, in a larger process. And so, like Joseph, I encourage you that if you're at a point, that if you're at a place in life where things are not going the way you're hoping to have them go, stick with your integrity and keep an eye on the bigger picture. We can't control an outcome to anything. But we can control how we respond throughout the journey. We can conduct ourselves with integrity and with honor. We can do our best to have a good and positive attitude through the change that may or may not be fair. And in those moments where we feel like we didn't do anything to deserve this, we didn't do anything to have this change come upon us, just as Joseph didn't really do anything to deserve getting thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, thrown into prison, etc., he still faced things with integrity. He still knew who he was called to serve, that he was to represent God within those situations and in those moments, and he kept doing what was right. And so as we face change, as the world goes upside down around us, I think there's our answer. Approach things with integrity and with honor and realize that what may not be going our way, what may not be doing what we had hoped things were going to do, what may be happening in a way that we were not thinking they would happen, God may be doing something else further down the line that we don't see. So in those moments, as I told my friend yesterday, I encouraged her to learn what she can learn from that situation. Try to make things better in the place where she is than when she found them. Try to learn something along the way that will help you in the next step, even if this step doesn't work out the way you would hope. Because remember... My friends, we are all going to face change. It is inevitable. Just as the IRS demanding that we submit a tax return by April of every year, change is going to hit us. And there's going to be those times where that change comes upon us suddenly. It comes upon us in a way that is unplanned. And yet we're going to have to deal with it. Now, by all means, if something occurs to you that, you know, kind of hits hard 
kind of comes out of nowhere, then by all means, be realistic. Take time to process that, to grieve that loss. Because there are certain changes in life that do kind of rock us a little bit and do require us to take a step back. But what we may see as evil, God may be working out for his good. Lastly, I'm reminded of a scripture from 1 Corinthians, which says, essentially, and I'm going to paraphrase this again, everything you do, do for the glory of God. Seek to excel, but remember that our glory in this earth is only temporary. And honoring God with the way we conduct ourselves, with putting in honest and hard work, acting with integrity, those are the things that bring honor and glory to God. And those are the things that will serve us well. And I think those were the things that helped Joseph become, you know, kind of the best of slaves. He was kind of the head prisoner, shall we say, uh, when he was in prison. He was in charge of Potiphar's house. And then he became overseer of Egypt. And I think that's in part because he conducted himself honorably. And so I encourage you to do the same because change is inevitable. But how we respond to it will help us get through it. And we can either fight change, we can be angry about it, we can be upset, we can be bitter. And while there's going to be moments and times where that's appropriate and maybe even necessary for a time, at some point, we have to realize that that change is going to happen regardless. So in those moments, take a step back. Ask God to show you, Lord, what are you doing through this? I can tell you that's a question I've had to ask a lot recently. So don't be afraid to ask it. And I've had people ask me, well, you know, what if God doesn't like it that I'm angry with him? Listen, God's bigger than we are. God can ha handle us being angry or upset or confused with something, he, with something he's doing. And in fact, I think in those moments, God welcomes those emotions from us because at least we're being honest with God, right? And that, I think, is important because that'll help us really get to the root of where we're feeling and how we're feeling and allow us to move forward. So, my friends, as the world goes round and change comes upon you, may you act with integrity and humility. May you seek to glorify God with where you're at. And may you keep your eye on the bigger picture and on the end goal. I encourage you to think about the life of Joseph 
read through the part of Genesis um, with his life, see how he faced and embraced all the changes that that came up before him and the way his life got turned upside down and see that what his brothers intended to be evil what Potiphar's wife intended to be as punishment God used for good and that is because God is so much bigger than our instances and our problems and our our issues. May you go forward in strength and integrity, my friends. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We're going to be back in a couple weeks with episode two of this series. And... If there's anything that we can do for you, anything that we can be praying for you about, head on over to our website, drop us a message uh, in our social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Instagram, and we're happy to pray for you. We're here to offer some wisdom, perspective, and counsel for sure if we can. And otherwise, my friends, be well. Thanks for listening. Plus seven. Plus seven. Uh, ten seven. <laughs>